women have a unique role in creation. Women are the nurturers, the birth givers, the more spiritual of the genders. And Torah teaches that women have a special status. Join Mashi Lipska for the next hour as she expounds the Torah wisdom specific to women. Only on 101.9 High FM. We've been traveling a long road, personally, nationally, internationally. Things are really, really different, and we're noticing. The truth is that things have never been the same. We read stories in history books where the picture comes together. But when you're traveling the road, you don't often see what's happening. You don't often really absorb the whole picture, as it were. And it's not that we're able to absorb the whole picture at the moment, but somehow our times have given us perspective. Perspective on the things that we take for granted. Perspective on the things that we have put too much value on. Perspective on the things that really important are important. And perspective, perhaps, on our relationship with the creator of the world and his relationship with his world. Last week was Tisha B'Av, the saddest day on the Jewish calendar, the day when many tragedies befell our people, the day when both of God's magnificent homes went up in flames. Our nation has a long and varied history. And in this week's parsha, Moshe Rabbeinu, our teacher Moshe, the faithful shepherd, continues to speak to the people as they are about to enter the promised land. He's giving them a farewell address that stretches for more than a month. He speaks to them to learn from the past (coughs) and to take note of things that people might not consider important. The detail, the little things. He's teaching them and teaching us about relationships. And here it's the relationship between the people and Hashem. A relationship which is ongoing with every breath that we take and therefore a relationship that we can take for granted, that we can get used to, that we can actually abuse. And the name of the Parsha is Akev. Akev has various meanings, but Akev in Hebrew is also the heel, the lowest part of the body that tramples on things, that walks on things, that doesn't necessarily have a pair of eyes, that can see everything that the heel is walking on, trampling, destroying. Let's speak about this. Figuratively, Akev refers here to something very, very interesting that really, really applies to us. Maishu Rabbeinu 
our teacher Moshe is telling the people, if you will be careful to keep all of Hashem's mitzvahs, even the minor ones, the ones that we seem to just step on, take for granted. We don't think about where we're stepping most of the time. We just walk. We think we have to pursue. We have to go forward. And very often, in our pursuit of what we call life, we may trample on the things that are important. And therefore... This Parsha is very, very suited, speaks to us loudly, to each one of us in our own situations. Hashem says, if you'll be careful to keep the mitzvahs that seem minor, I will provide you for everything, with everything that you need on a daily basis, all your material needs, because my will is manifest in the tiny things. You know, the Rebbe explains if Hashem were just to give and give and give, as we expect, why is the sun not shining? And why is it raining today? And why isn't it raining? And why is it cold? And why is it hot? And I asked for something, why didn't he give it to me? If Hashem were just to shower us with his goodness, even when we don't deserve it, he actually would not be doing us any favors. First of all, says the Rebbe, we would feel like little kids whose parents ignore their rude, inconsiderate, babyish behavior. Because they're so little, what do you expect of them? They're just kids. We can't expect them to be mature. Is a parent doing a child any favor when he doesn't guide, discipline, teach, provide boundaries for the child? No. The child not only will never learn, but the children become confused. And we too, as adults, we have to have boundaries. We have to know that there's justice in the world. And if Hashem would just shower us with goodness, no matter what we do or don't do, no matter how much we listen to him or we don't listen, it would undermine our belief in the presence of God, in divine justice. And our lives would be a life of confusion and shame. But what's amazing is that the rewards that Hashem gives us for listening to his mitzvahs are totally out of proportion to the effort required to actually carry them out. And despite the fact that Hashem expects things from us, when He starts to reward us, it's unbelievable. Infinite rewards for generations in small situations, in situations we cannot even imagine, come our way. Things of an unlimited nature are given to us for our small actions. Although opening the door to getting God's blessings is dependent on us doing something, what comes back to us is absolutely disproportionate to what we put in. For example, and we often use this example because Tyra emphasizes that when you give to another, Sadoka, for example, 
and you give a coin, you give a donation, you give of your own hard-earned money, you don't just get back what you gave away. But you get back a disproportionate amount of reward, of money, of good feeling, of success, of blessing, of protection. But we need to start. We need to reach within to give. And our efforts are rewarded in a disproportionate way, in a disproportionate measure to what we have done. And therefore, Moshe is telling the people, be really careful about the small things. Do them with the same passion and the same devotion and the same excitement and the same connection with which we fulfill the what we consider the big ones, the important ones. Sure, I'll go to Shul on Rosh Hashanah. Please, God. Sure, I have to fast on Yom Kippur. Of course, I have to have a chuppah. Of course, I want a proper bris for my baby. These things are important to me. They're big, but the little things. We'll talk more about that after this short break. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. Let's talk about caring. Hashem cares. He cares about us deeply. But were he to give us everything just because? As if we were babies who cannot walk, talk, do, think, and just need for all that needs to be provided for. (coughs) That would not make us grow. That would not give us a sense of achievement. It would confuse us. It would keep us small. It wouldn't make us happy. Happiness comes from giving, from growing, from stretching. Think of Jim. Think of reaching goals. Today I walked two and a half thousand steps. I'm reaching to walk three thousand steps. Will I ever get to ten thousand steps? Nobody knows. But I have potential. And Moshe Rabbeinu is telling us that it's the little things, the seemingly less important mitzvahs that actually bond us in an incredible way with our Creator. Our minds can be a great gift. They can also freeze and diminish us. When we think that if we understand something, that's all that really matters, for we have great minds, we are thinkers, we are philosophers, we're inventors. We are nothing compared to the creator of our minds and our creativity and our abilities and philosophies. Hashem is infinite. And when we connect with him beyond reason, beyond what we think is important, like the mitzvahs that seem insignificant, the mitzvahs that people seem to step on. And we show the same devotion as we do to the big things, the Rosh Hashanahs, the Yom Kippurs, 
the bar mitzvahs, then Hashem rewards us incredibly. <clears throat> because what it shows us is, what it shows Hashem and proves to ourselves that it doesn't matter what Hashem is asking us to do, but what matters is that He wants us to do it. And it doesn't matter that we've evaluated it, that this is, this isn't important. We are devoted to the Creator, our Creator, the one who causes us to draw every breath, who showers us with life, opportunities, new days. And when we keep mitzvahs in that way, even the little ones, or especially those that seem to be little, there's no such thing as little, Hashem showers us with His goodness beyond what we have earned, beyond what we seem to deserve. And using that module, we want to talk about our personal lives as well. We started off by saying that last week was the saddest day of the year. And this week, we had one of the happiest days of the year. Last week was the ninth of Av. This year was the, this week was the fifteenth of Av. The fifteenth of Av is a day that's classically connected to hope, love, after all the suffering and the loss. It's connected to hope, rebirth, after a lifeless cold, seemingly endless period of suffering, there's rebirth, there's hope. And the 15th of Av, therefore, is connected with marriage. <coughs> it's also a day on which many wonderful, loving things happen. Things that previously seemed to be frozen in time. Nobody's ever going to sort out that forrible. Nobody's ever going to be able to fix up the terrible things that have happened, and they're just set in stone now. So many wonderful things happened on the day to bring hearts together, to bring families together, to bring our nation together. And the Parsha that we read at this time, even the Parsha last week, a Parsha of prayer, this Parsha seems to be a Parsha of answer. The Parsha is full of Hashem's love, His closeness, full of His desire to connect with us, full of love. The word love is repeated so many times. And you shall love the stranger. And you shall love the Lord your God. And if you listen to the command to love God, there's so much love in the Parsha. So we leave the three weeks that are a module for pain and suffering of loss and helplessness and hopelessness. And we reach the 15th of the month when the moon is full. And we experience this time of great love that the 15th of Av, classically throughout the ages, 
represents. <coughs> Just to indicate one of the historical things that happened on this day in the desert, because the Jewish people were going to remain and die in the desert as they had wanted. And that was their destiny, that all those over the age of 20 were going to die out in the desert and the next generation would enter the promised land. They died out in the following way. The spies had come back on the 8th of Av. And that night, the 9th of Av, became a night of mourning, of weeping, of of terrible fear. And people wept because they had somehow believed the report of the spies that they would be unable, that God forbid God would be unable to bring them into the land, to fight against the warrior nations that occupied the land. And unfortunately, that night was the first, as it were, sad Tisha B'Av. And it became a night and a day of weeping for generations. Every year on the anniversary of that difficult time, the Jewish people would dig bunkers and lie down in these bunkers, and in the morning they would count heads, and 15,000 did not stand up, and that became their graves. And so they repeated it throughout their traveling in the desert, and in the last year, when they stood up in the morning and they counted heads, everybody was there. So they thought perhaps that they had miscalculated. So they got back into their graves, back into their bunkers, and the next morning everybody was still there. And so it continued until the 15th of the month. And they realized that Hashem had granted them a reprieve, that the last 15,000 were not going to die. And it became a time of rejoicing, rejoicing, because the full moon represents strength. The Jewish people are compared to the moon. We wax and we wane. Sometimes we're strong, brilliant, happy. Sometimes it's so dark, like at the very end of the lunar cycle where we don't even see the moon, but there's always the promise of rebirth. And the full moon on the 15th of Av, in contrast to the great sadness of the month of Av, of the ninth day of Av, made them realize that God's presence, his love is with them. And there's a personal relationship with, with each and every one and with them as a whole. That those that were chosen to remain alive, each and every one, it's not about masses of people. It's about individual divine providence. And it became a day of great rejoicing. And later on, there was a wonderful custom where the daughters of Jerusalem would go out dancing in borrowed white clothing so as not to shame anyone who doesn't have. And they would dance in a circle, indicating there's no 
head. There's no leader here. Equality or love or respect. An incredible, incredible day. And that day would be a day when many matches, many shiduchim were made, which means rebirth, which means joining together opposites, male and female, to build homes, to make this world a godly place. So it's a time of reconnecting of Hashem to us, of us to each other, a time of love and unity. It's a time of seeing the essence. Because when the girls would dance, then the young men would come afterwards and the girls would say, young man, lift your eyes heavenward and see what you're choosing for yourself. Meaning, lift your eyes to God and ask him that he give you what you need. Not what you think you need, but what he knows you need. And the girls had beautiful, beautiful attributes of beauty, of good lineage, humility. And every Jewish daughter is composed of all those wonderful qualities, beauty within, which King Solomon speaks about. And he says that Sheker Charm is false. The Hevel Hayoifi. And beauty is not. Jewish women are beautiful. Isha Yiras Hashem. But a God-fearing woman shall be praised. In other words, inner beauty. And inner genealogy. We all come from greatness. We all come from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah. Each one of us. Our royal can hold our heads high. And there were the rich ones, for we are all rich within. And more than that, in the ethics of our fathers, it says, who is rich? He who is satisfied with what he has. These are good marriage ingredients. Fear of God. Inner beauty. And it's one thing to be pretty. But to be beautiful, that's something different. And that's something that each and every one of us can be. <coughs> and of good lineage, we all come from the best family. And rich, when a Jewish woman is satisfied with what she has, that is the greatest riches. Not to pursue the external things that only give us restlessness, a lack of what we call menuchas ha-nefesh. What about being in the moment? What about appreciating everything that we have and not looking and saying, why don't we have like the neighbor? Well, these days, nobody's looking at what people are wearing and nobody is looking at, at what the other one has. <laughs> We're not really seeing anybody. Thank God it's a time to look within and to reconnect with the small things, the important things. Because we need to realize 
that we are all Hashem's children. We are all one. Each and every one of us, a creation of Hashem, each and every one of us essentially a child of God. We might look different on the outside, but the separation is really just an illusion. We all come from the same source, and each one of us has a part to play. And when we play our part correctly, we actually complete the other and all of creation. We see it in marriages. When you set the tone, when you do the right thing, you bring harmony. It's not about always looking at why the other is not doing what they're meant to be doing. That's like looking. How come the neighbor has more than me? But rather to say, let me use all my God-given energies right now to be able to make the most of my life. It will bring me and all those around me so much joy. We're not so different. Coronavirus has shown us we're all the same. It doesn't choose between the rich and the poor, the seemingly pretty and those who are plain. It doesn't seem to choose between those who come from great families or those who don't at the moment know to which family they trace their heritage. We're all the same. Hashem is directing us. And let's have a closer look that the Parsha last week and this week contain the Shema, the Ahafta, and the Hayyim Shamoya. They contain the sections, first and second section of Shema. And Shema, the first line, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Lekeinu Hashem Echad, has six words. Although it's not in the Torah, we say Baruch, Shame, Kvoid, Machusai, the Arlomvo Ed, another six words. After those twelve words, we come to the word Veohafta, and you shall love. We'll be right back after this short break. You're listening to Conversations with Mashi only on 101.9 High FM. Delighted to be with you. The days are getting longer. We'll be lighting candles by 527. And Shabbos is out tomorrow, 17 minutes past 6. But right now we're getting ready for Shabbos. We're getting ready to light those candles. We're getting ready to bring peace into our hearts and our homes. And we look to the season for inspiration. We look to the Parshas for inspiration. And both last week and this week, there you have Shema, V'yahavta, and V'hoya, the first two paragraphs of the Shema, and the proclamation, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Materialism and spirituality, it's one thing. The Creator, the infinite Creator, has created this limited world that we live in, but it's actually spirituality and needs to be used in that sort of way. 
but the underlying message is love. How do we unleash God's love for us? And we were saying that there are six words in the Shema. And six words that we whisper afterwards. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. And then we come to the 13th word, ve'ohafta, and you shall love. You shall set the process into action. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your feelings, with your mind, with all your soul, with your life. And with all your wealth, everything that you have at your disposal. How do we do that? Well, that sounds like prayer. That sounds like my own character development. But then the paragraph goes on to speak about very practical things. Number one, teach it to your children. Teach that love to your children. Repeat it to your children. Speak about it at all times when you're traveling. Speak about it all the time, every night, every morning. Let your your children see what's important. Let them hear what's important. Let them study what's important. Nurture their souls. Teach them. And not only that, but surround them with mitzvahs. Let them see that what you speak about, you believe in. Let them see that you put on the tefillin, that you're tied to God, that you take those five minutes and you do that powerful mitzvah and you will not start your day without it. Let them see the mezuzahs on the doorposts. Let them see that you care. Not only that you have a mezuzah on every doorpost, but that they are regularly checked. <coughs> mezuzahs need to be mezuzahs need to be checked minimum twice in seven years. And if a mezuzah falls down, it's an interesting thing. Often we find that the mezuzah itself is saying, "Please check me," and we are moving then to the month of Elul. We need to realize that we are on a journey. We've left Tisha B'Av. And after we leave Tisha B'Av, we enter seven weeks till Rosh Hashanah. And this is a journey. A journey of us reaching out to Hashem, which intensifies when the month of Elul begins. And we still have just under two weeks until that happens. But there is an age-old Jewish custom to be meticulous about checking our mezuzot in the month of Elul. In this week's parsha, we have emphasis again on doing the mitzvahs and to work the world, to serve God with prayer, with Torah study, with the tefillin, with the mezuzah. Practical, practical things. But what unleashes everything is when we care about others. 
is a beautiful story that we have told, and it's a story of sensitivity to the other. To really love the other, you have to feel for the other. And to feel for the other, you have to tune into the other, and you have to see that they are also just like you. They are your brother. You share the same soul root, the same father, Hashem himself. And it's that story about that man who was well-versed in mysticism who came to the Rebbe. And as they were talking, the mitzvah of loving your fellow as yourself came up. And the Rebbe asked him, what are you doing to help the Jewish community? (coughs) So the man answered, I'm thinking about doing more. So the Rebbe responded with something very interesting. He said in Kabbalah, in Kabbalah and in Jewish law, the right side is viewed as the more dominant side. For example... When we do a mitzvah, the right hand should be used. We know, this is not the Rebbe's words, that we give tzedakah with our right hand, that we wash our right hand first as long as we're right-handed, that we try and give with the right hand, take the lulav in the right hand. The right side is the dominant side. And he says, because the right side represents chesed, loving kindness. The left side represents givura, withholding. So then he asked an obvious question. He said, if this is so, that the right side is the dominant side, represents kindness, and the left side represents withholding, why did Hashem put our heart on the left side of our body? Our heart is a source of loving kindness, to feel for another. And the Rebbe continued and said, you see, your heart is actually on the right side, like the correct side. Because what's the job of the heart? It's to empathize with someone else, to care for others. So when you are facing another person, from their perspective, your heart is on the right side. And that's our work. We look in the mirror, we see ourselves. But when we look at the other, our heart must be on the right side, on their right side, on the dominant side. And everything is not about the other. It's just that the way the world works, everything is about the other. And we also become the other to Hashem. When we care about the other, we become Hashem's other that He cares about. It's up to us to open the door. We have to use our hearts in the right way. Not just, I want, I like, I need, more, more, more. That's like a child. But when... We have the maturity, the discipline to focus on the other. And our heart is in the right place. This is an absolute gift, not only to the other and not only to God's world, but a gift to us. When we give 
we receive. And we're not just saying when you give 10 rand, you're going to receive 100 rand back. For sure. But we're talking about giving If you really want to love God, love the one that he loves. Love his children. Give to his world. Look at his mitzvahs and look at the detail. It's not that you gave. It's also how you gave. It's not of course, the main thing is to give and to do the mitzvah and to put on the tefillin and to light the candles. That's the main thing. But that's kind of entry level in a sense. And the amazing thing is that when we do the mitzvah, even if we just do it, it begins to nurture our sensitivity. We change. We become better receptors. Suddenly we see feel, experience things differently. This past week, we had the 15th of Av, a day of love, a day of unity, a day of repairing relationships, a day of reaching out across the differences. An amazing thing. If you look at the word Chamisha Asar Be'av, which is the Gemara way of saying the 15th of Av, sometimes we call it Tu Be'av, but the Gemara calls it Chamisha Asar, the 15th of Av. Chamisha Asar Be'av. It has the same numerical value as Ktiva V'chatima Tova. May you be written and sealed for a good year. And there are many things we can speak about. But they equal, they have the same gematria, 928. And there is a custom that from then, we begin to wish each other a good year. And I also saw a beautiful thing, that every time we wish each other, we wish someone a good year, an angel is created. And these are part of the angels who intercede in our behalf on the Day of Judgment. We're going to enter the 40 days. But even before the 40 days, that from the beginning of Elul through Yom Kippur, we are in the seven weeks. The seven weeks of consolation after the three weeks of difficulty, the three weeks of disaster, the three weeks of mourning. So there's actually 10 weeks before Rosh Hashanah that we begin to prepare in, and we are already approaching the the second week of the seven weeks of consolation, and we have seven Shabbatot, seven Shabbosim, in which the Haftarah is a Haftarah of hope, of future, of upliftment. And this week's already the second of those. (coughs) It's a time to reflect on the fact that it's up to us. You know, Hashem has so many blessings waiting. We need to ask, but we need to act. And before we ask, 
In other words, before we pray, the custom is to give a coin into tzedakah. Before we do any mitzvah, the custom is give some tzedakah first. Why? Because that opens the gates to our being answered. Before we ask Hashem for something, Hashem our Father, let's show our Father that we care about the ones that He cares about. We are children unto the Lord our God. When does a father feel generous and close? When you do a favor for his son, for his child. If we love the other and we do something for them, amazing things happen. Our requests are answered. It says that when we ask Hashem, and we first care about someone else, our wish is granted. And so, let's look at the little things. Let's look at the little things in our relationships where we truly care about someone else. And it's not about, well, you know, I took care of the big stuff. It's about the little things, the niceties, the care, the sensitivity, the akiv. And when we pay attention to those, then our innermost wishes are heeded and we too get that wonderful answer to the things that really make life worth living. And so as we approach this week, this Parsha, this Shabbos, let's resolve to give Hashem the Nachas in the small ways showing that we care about others with a phone call, with a donation, calling someone to remind them about a mitzvah. And may we merit that the ache of things in our lives, the seemingly small things that are really, really essential, are answered as well, together with the big things, and that we soon merit to go forward into a bright new world, the world of Mashiach. Good Shabbos.